Good evening. Thank you for coming. Um, today, tonight's shear has been dedicated by Yosef Yitzchak, by Rabbi Yosef Yitzchak and Ray Shegalov. And this is an honor, first of all, an honor of Ray's birthday. May she have a shnas bracha natzlacha. Hebrew name is Gittel Rachel Bastavoyri Rivka. May she have a very, very gebench the year. Much, much, much bracha. Uh, may you have a lot, a lot, a lot of good, 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 good coming to you this year. Good health. Nachas from the children and the grandchildren. But they also dedicated in honor of the grandchildren of an upsharon this week, of their grandson, Tuvia Zakai Ben Lavana Bina. It's his third birthday. And in honor of the half birthday, of his sister, Taviyata Shabbat Bas Lavana Bina. So, Shnas Brachanatzlacha for his birthday, so for him, and I don't say Chatzi Shnas Brachanatzlacha, or should be a Shnas Brachanatzlacha for him as well from this moment on for the next year, for her rather. And only, only Mazel Bracha and good, good, good things, Begashmias, Beruchnias, and a lot, a lot, a lot of Lichtige Chsidish Anachas. Continue raising them in good health. Your children should have nachas. Continue raising them in good health. Thank you so much. This week we had a dedication on the CD. CD this week that it was dedicated by Batya and Chaim Cohen. This is in honor of Gimel Tamas that's coming upon us this Shabbos. So may the tremendous light of this awesome day that we still don't have full, the day has not yet fully manifested in its fullest light and its fullest power, but it's already bringing tremendous, 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 infinite, endless brachas to the world. May it shower upon you, bracha ad dai, without an end, blessings to you and your family for all that you need, all that you want. Begashmias, beruchnias, and to the ultimate fulfillment that you, your wife, your children, and everybody should dance together Bekar of Mamish in front and next to the third base of Migdash and in the third base of Migdash and next to Moshiach Tzitkenu. May we see it now, 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 already now. I'd like to dedicate this shir uh, to the, the Shabbos' is Gimel Tamas. It's also Parshas Kairach. So to be able to figure out the essence of this powerful day. Um, Parshas Kairach, this week's Parshas Korach, Parshas Korach is all about a revolt against Moshe Rabbeinu. And uh, it's interesting, like the, right the opening of the parsha it says, Vayikach Korach, Korach took. What did he take? Rashi is going to explain what he took. And it gives two explanations. He took people, not through physically, but he was able to take them with his words. He was a very charismatic person. He was able to take the people. Or Rashi says his first period is he took himself to the side. He segregated himself. He broke off. That's the meaning of what he took. Before Rashi even says that, Rashi has an open statement, Vayikach Korach, Parshazu Yafa Nidreshes Bemidrish Rabbi Tanchuma. This parsha is very well expounded on in the Medrish of Rabbi Tanchuma. So if you learn Rabbi, you know, there's different Medrashim. If you learn Medrish Rabbi Tanchuma, you will find that this parsha is very well um, expounded on and explained in the Medrish, of which Medrish Rabbi Tanchuma. Rashi doesn't say what the Medrash says. Maybe later in Rashi, Rashi mentions some things of the Medrash. He just makes an introduction. This parsha is well expounded in the Medrash Rabbi Tanchuma. Why is he saying that? 
I mean, Rashi generally tells us a rule that he's coming to explain, not Medrash. He's coming to explain Pshat, not Medrash. Medrash is learning the Torah not on the simple meaning. That's not Rashi's business. For that you learn Medrash. You don't learn Rashi. Rashi tries to simplify. Rashi is the like simple, smearing the butter on the bread. That's all. Simple. Nothing fancy. It's not the peanut butter. It's not some fancy whatever other thing. It's the plain, simple butter. You need to learn. You, know, you need to learn the chumash. You need to learn it with something that will give you an understanding. You got Rashi. Okay. Fast forward to the end of the parasha. I'd like to notice something in the end of the Torah portion. So in the end, Hashem tells Moshe Rabbeinu, we spoke about this many times, that he should gather the staffs of Aaron and the other tribes. Each, each shavit, each nasi, each, each prince of the tribe should give a staff, a stick. And Moshe gathered the sticks and he should put it inside the Holy of Holies. Including Aaron, the high priest, should also give his stick. And they all give their sticks and suddenly... The next morning, the miracle happened. What happened? That Aaron's staff grew almonds. And then Moshe brings out the, all, the, all the staffs. So there's two interesting things in the Pesukim and the Pasuk. One thing is it says that, that, Ar, that, the Abishter, that Moshe put Aaron's, Aaron's staff amongst their staffs. He put his amongst their staffs. What does the Torah emphasize? Betoch matosam. In between their staffs. Rashi does give an explanation. Rashi says Moshe was trying to avoid that anybody should complain and say, Ah, you put his, his in a special place. You put his a little bit more to the right. You put his a little more to the left. You put his a little close to the, to the, uh, to the Aron, to the Ark. You cheated. Had you put my staff a little closer, it would have, it would have been different. Um, so in order to avoid the unnecessary complaining, what did Moshe Rabbeinu do? He put it betoich matosam. He put it amongst them. Okay, it's an answer. But I want to go a little deeper. What is the deeper meaning of Moshe? Put our own staff amongst their staffs. Finally, after it was proven, Moshe takes out all the staffs and he shows it to them. Moshe kalamatos, pasuk perik Chapter 17, verse uh, 24. Moshe took out all the staffs from before God. And everybody took their staff. Who cares what they did with the staff? The main thing is, you know, Aaron, you come take your staff. You're the leader. Yours, yours is uh, budding almonds. Yours, the, your, your has divine energy in it. The others are, you know, dead staffs, regular staffs. Okay, you understand. They didn't leave him there. You can throw them in the garbage. I don't know. No, it says each person took their staff. What's the emphasis of them taking their staff? It seems it's like it's completely an unnecessary thing what they did with their staff. So, we shall soon see that this is very, 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 very deep. This is very deep. So, the idea is as follows. As I mentioned earlier, this Shabbos is Gimel Thomas. And um, when the Rebbe, when the Lubavitcher Rebbe speaks or spoke about what his, his accomplishment is, the biggest tzaddikim can, can, can speak about themselves because they have no self. Understand that? So the, 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 in the Zohar it says about Rav Shema Yochai that he speaks about himself. He says about himself very high things. 
because he has no self. So when he's speaking about himself, he's speaking about the godly flow that's coming through him, what it is all about. He has no ego. So the biggest tzaddikim can speak about themselves. But the Rebbe doesn't, the Rebbe had a way of hiding. So even when he spoke about himself a lot, he, sp- he explains the Indian of who he is. For example, he says that, that, that in every generation, there is Moshe Rabbeinu. And that Moshe Rabbeinu is, continues through all the generations, and he's the leader of the generation. And not only does he say that in every generation there's Moshe Rabbeinu, but he explains that in the end of days, Moshe Rabbeinu will be even the, the main Moshe Rabbeinu. Like even stronger than in older generations. So he's talking about himself as the leader of the generation, but he has cover. Because he always blames it on his father-in-law. He never ever speaks of himself as himself, but always as, as a continuation of his father-in-law, the previous Rabbi Yosef Yitzchak, the Rebbe Rayatz, the sixth Chabad Rebbe. He always sees... He, then he, then he, what he does say is like... And he, that after the previous Rebbe passed away, the continuation of his work through his emissaries and his students. And he speaks many times about 40 years that continues the work of the pre- So he calls himself a shliach of the previous Rebbe. Okay. But obviously when you look a little, you read, you don't have to read between the lines, it's, even le- it's, it's so obvious. But he's talking about his own leadership and what he's all about. But again... He's doing it in a tzniyastig way, in a modest way, so he's speaking about the Friediger Rebbe. So in this talk, the Rebbe talks about the previous Rebbe, and he asks a, a simple question. He says that Hasidus began in the Ukraine. The Balshemtov, the founder of Hasidism, began in the Ukraine. And it was a powerful, a powerful, holy movement. A movement that brought the biggest awakening of the Jewish people. But in addition to that, it brought the Jewish people a way to connect to Hashem that is so deep and so high. And, but the most important thing is that the Hasidic movement was the channel of what we call Pneumius Torah, the inner light of the Torah, which is the light of Mashiach. And the beginnings of the light of Mashiach, the deepest parts of the Torah, being revealed to the world. So why is it, he says, that for so many generations this light was in Europe? And only for the last, in our case, it's already 70 years, or close to 80 years, did it relocate to America. In 1940, 1940 the previous, the previous Lubavitcher Rebbe escaping the furnace in Europe, the burning the fires of Europe, the flaming, threatening cons- to consume all the Jewish people, the previous Rebbe narrowly escaped, came to the shores of America. So the Lubavitcher Rebbe asks, how come... Everything is Bashgacha Pratis. Simply he'll say, because he had to say, why? Because Europe was on fire. And in order to save himself, and then it wasn't just thinking about himself, but saving the future of the Jewish people. The Jewish people needed the Lubavitcher Rebbe to rebuild, right? To establish Torah and Yiddishkeit in America. Him amongst, amongst other great rabbis who came to America and built. So, but you have to say, the Rebbe says, but you can't just say that he was escaping. You have to say that there's something very deep because something that happens to a leader of the Jewish people must be by perfect divine providence. In a sense, if he wanted to run away, he doesn't say this in the talk, but in a sense, if he wanted to, needed to run away from Europe, he could have gone to Eretz Yisrael also. But he didn't go to Eretz Yisrael, he came Dafka to America. So why is it by divine providence that the Abishter brought about that he should come to America? And that the center 
for the revelation of the esoteric part of the Torah, which is through Hasidus, moved after it has been so many generations in Europe, it moved to the it moved to America. Why did that happen? Now the Rebbe sees in that move and in that and in that relocation actually the ultimate realization and the purpose of all of creation and the purpose of all of the world. The Rebbe doesn't see it just as a, as an individual occurrence of a private human being, but he sees it as the ult, the ultimate unfolding of the plan for why God created the world and why Hashem gave the Torah to begin with. And there is something extremely, extremely powerful with us living in America. Based on what the Rebbe actually says, there is something extremely, extremely powerful with us living in California. Something really, really... It's not just the weather. It goes much, much deeper than the weather. So what is it? What's the idea? What is the idea behind it? To make the question stronger, it's not just that he comes to another continent. It's that by coming to America, he's actually engaging. He's coming down into a very dark, 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 spiritually dark place. Europe was a place where there was a lot of bloodshed, a lot of Jewish animosity and hatred. We're seeing it today as well, anti-Semitism. But yet, the place itself of Europe was more conducive to observance. And the very proof was that for for over a thousand years, Jews learned Torah, did mitzvahs, in Europe, the European countries, the Sephardic countries where Jews were in, in um, what do you call it, Africa or in Asia, in different places, in the Middle East, Jews kept Torah mitzvahs in all these places. It was a place conducive for religious observance. For, 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 for America was, uh, it changed already. We know America as it is today and because we know America as it is today, we don't appreciate the depth. It's hard sometimes to appreciate the depth of what is being said over here. But America was always known as the place where it represents the ultimate I can live out my dreams. I don't need gods. If I'm willing to work hard, put in the work, I can become great. I can make it. I can become rich. So all the poor Yidalech, all the poor Jews who left Russia, fleeing the, left Russia, Ukraine, all these places, Eastern Europe, fleeing the pogroms, came here to America slowly started dropping and forgetting their Yiddishkeit and started assimilating into the non-Jewish culture. This is the first place that kind of they were completely welcomed and they slowly assimilated. I mean, relative, there was anti-Semitism here as well, but somehow they broke through, they assimilated into, into American culture and they became millionaires. They became rich people. And with their, the wealthier they got, the less... Jewish they became. Colder and indifferent until it... So America, and that is... So that's so we think, okay, that's because it, you know, America was new. Judaism hasn't gotten a chance to take root in America. In other countries, Judaism had a chance for, you know, was there for such a long time. But uh, the truth is, the Rebbe, the Lubavitch Rebbe explains that there's really something much deeper of why America was such a resistant place for Yiddishkeit. And it was really known. I mean, when people knew in, in, in the Haim, in the old in the old Shtetlach back there, people knew that if a family member goes to America, um, there are very little hopes that this person will remain Jewish. His children, his grandchildren, forget it. Many places they almost sat shiva. It was like over for them. 
they knew that there that they, there goes. There's no more Jew. You know, they're gonna they're gonna they're gonna assimilate completely. But what is the deeper reason for that? There was a deeper reason because there's a statement and a teaching, a little phrase by Rabbi Shneur Zalman of Liadi, the first Lubavitcher Rebbe, the Balatanya, and he says it in a Maimer in Tov Kuf Samach Aleph. This is in his Sefer Maimarim, and his, he says in page Shin Yud. I have the book open over here. He says in a very interesting idea. He says that Matan Torah, the giving of the Torah, was in the on the upper part of the world, the, the upper part of the globe. And Matan Torah was not in the lower half of the world. Statement. The giving of the Torah was on the higher part. The world itself, in general, let's understand something, the world itself is created to be a block and obscuring of the divine. The world. The Abishta created the world to be a block and a concealment on divinity. Yet, there were times that God revealed Himself. And when did Hashem reveal Himself? By Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim, by the exodus of Egypt. Through all the miracles that happened in the Midbar, by the giving of the Torah, there was a spectacular revelation. And of course, the, 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 the duration of about close to a thousand years that we had a holy temple in Jerusalem, in the Beis Amidash. And the divine presence was revealed and manifest that everybody in the world can come see God. That left a powerful, powerful impression on the world. And to a very great degree, it minimized the world's um, ignorance. It diminished the coarseness of the creation. It allowed, it purified kind of the atmosphere. The giving of the Torah purified the atmosphere. That a world that was created to be resistant to holiness, a world that is created to be... Ignorant or, or oblivious to, to a creator, apathetic to Hashem, that very world became more refined, more receptive, if we can say. And that's the reason why people became religious, even in other religions. They left their pagan ways and took to religions that were more monotheistic because they have more of a consciousness and awareness of one God. That is in the upper part of the world. The lower part of the world, which includes the United States of America, to cross the, across the ocean, on the other side, the giving of the Torah did not impact this lower part of the world to the same degree that it impacted the upper part. So the lower part of the world is far more, is far more of a concealing, in a state of concealment, far more resistant and obscuring Hashem and holiness. And therefore it's much it's a much, much, much tougher place. A much tougher environment. To break through with holiness, very hard. And that's the nature of the United States of America. The previous Chabad Rebbe, in a letter that he writes, over here is fascinating. He writes, Echod ma'advarim li'iz el harab Chaim David, Chaim Doiv. One of the things that my father, he was very excited that someone sent him a package or different ksavim, writer, writings. So he says one of the things that's in the letters, something that is mentioned in Hasidus. The giving of the Torah was on the which is in the, this side of the hemisphere. This side, the upper part. 
But hear these words. How about the other side? The Alter Rebbe doesn't say what's with the other side. He just says the Matan Torah was on the upper side. So the previous Lubavitch Rebbe says, The revelation of Torah, revealing Torah in the lower part of the world, it's a complete different avoda. What type of avoda does it take? Since it's tougher material, you need a tougher power. You need a much stronger power. We need added power and vigor to be able to bring Torah down to the most toughest, lowest, most difficult part of the world. The Klolis Inyan and the general idea is Shamatan Torah was a revelation from above. And since it's a revelation from above, which part of the world is receptive to revelations from above? The upper part of the world. Oh, that's the giving of the Torah. But now to translate the Torah. Now it's interesting. The Friedrich Rebbe is writing this in Tofresh Tzadik Aleph. This is 10 years before he comes to America. He's still in Europe. He already was escaped. He had to leave Russia because he was already imprisoned and fought them, the communists, and he was already freed. But he still wasn't in America yet. And he says, What is it going to take to draw the Torah down in the second, in the other side, in the lower part of the hemisphere? It's going to take a whole new power. It's going to take work with self-sacrifice. Work on a whole level, so much harder. It's going to require complete self-sacrifice. This is what he writes. So the Rebbe is asking the question, so why did God make it that the previous Rebbe, the previous Rebbe has to go and leave the upper hemisphere and go into such a tough place and do his work? And obviously we understand that that caused a lot of temporary setbacks. It caused a lot... For example, when you take a look at the previous Lubavitcher Rebbe, his talks, when he's in America the first few years, I don't want to say on a Rebbe complaining, but he, 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 he laments. I should rather use the word he laments. In many of the Fabrengans, he laments that he misses the purity of the Hasidim, of the Yidin in Russia. How in, in Russia, the old Hasidim, they had no problem davening for hours. They were so much more refined in, 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 in their midos and their avas Yisrael and so on and so forth. And he keeps on saying that here in America it's so tough. It's so coarse, so far grept. People are so materialistic. They care more about you know, their dinner than anything else in the world. And you know, even back then they cared more about myrav than they cared about dinner. And here it's like your meal is everything. Your physicality is so serious and so important. And the Friedrich Rebbe complains about it. So there were many setbacks. In a sense, we can't say that the quality of the Hasidim, on the old Hasidim that lived back then, changed. The quality of the, of the like you call them, ch- chocoladnikis, the people that are uh, born and bred on chocolate. It changes. It creates a coarser human being. So if that's the case, what's the point? Why does the Eibishter put the tzaddik through such hardship? And you say, well, I, you know, despite all of that, he managed it. Okay, good. So, but, but, but why? What's the deeper meaning? So the idea behind it is as follows. And it's a very, very important idea. And it's related to what we spoke about last week at the beginning of the class, and I'm going to repeat it again. The theme follows a little bit the general idea that we spoke last week, but we're further going to elucidate on this idea.
And that is that there is two things, in, there's two pop, there's two in Yonim. There is the mashpia and there is the Makabal. There is the influencer and there's the influenced. The influencer, obviously the ultimate influencer is God. The influenced is the world. The recipient, the Makabal. And uh, the point and the ultimate objective is that the world, the Makabal, the recipient, should receive the full light from above. And not only should it receive the full light from above, but it should intrinsically find within itself its own spirituality and its own godly light. That's the objective. In, in the story of creation, it means, Nesava, in the, in the, in the ultimate, as, as we see it in, in, the, in the greater picture, we know that the purpose God created the world is Nesava HaKadosh Baruch Hu, God desired, Lias Loi, that he should have Dira B'Tachtonim. God wanted to have a dwelling place in the lower worlds. What does that mean, a dwelling place in the lower low worlds? Hashem wanted that, that which is the low and the most removed from Him, the most separated from Him, the most disconnected from Him, from there, that place itself should become a place where He can manifest Himself. And that the lowest of the worlds, and this is the, this is the ultimate idea, that the lowest world should become brighter than the brightest worlds. That's the idea. The lowest world should become brighter than the brightest worlds. Because that displays the ultimate power of the Abishter. That his truth is so true, his truth is so absolute, that the farthest you go from him, you will still find him. Not only will you still find him, you will take find him there in the farthest more than anywhere else, which means that even the, 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 the most disconnected, in essence, there can't be disconnected. Because if there's a possibility of disconnected, that's because of his omnipotence to be, to be in a state of, of not being him. But that's also him. And that ultimately reveals a deeper, a deeper truth about him. How he can manifest himself in, in, in an entity that's kind of not him. But then we realize that that also is him. So his truth is so true. That's the idea. And this concept is, 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 is um, seen particularly in these two months that we're in right, that we're now, we're now, tonight is already Erev Rosh Chodesh Tamas. Wednesday is going to be Rosh Chodesh. And Thursday is Rosh Chodesh. So today is already Erev Rosh Chodesh Tamas. So in between the month of Sivan and, and the month of Tamas. So when we take a look at these two months, Sivan and Tamas, mentioned last week already, Sivan is the third month, Tamas is the fourth month. The numbers are very significant. Number three is the number of the Mashpia, of the influencer. As Chazal say in the words, mentioned it last week, Gimel, da, gimel Dalid, Gimel Dalim. Gimel means give, Dalim means to those who don't have, to the poor. The recipient is the Dalid. The Gimel, the, the, the giver is the giver in English also starts with a Gimel. The giver, the, 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 the transmitter, that's the Gimel. The powers of the flow from above is number three. That's why on the third month, as a, there was all the revelation from above. It started on the first month, but where did it reach its most intense revelation? The third month. Because that's when Hashem's light is flowing most intense. The revelation from the giver is on the third. And what's the point of the fourth month? The point of the fourth month is to receive, to absorb. What's the purpose of the whole giving? The purpose of the whole giving is not that it should just be giving. The purpose of the giving is that someone should receive it. The whole purpose of the giving is that it should end up and it should be revealed, it should be accepted in the world of the receiver. That's the purpose of the giving. So in a sense, what's the purpose of Matan Torah? 
The purpose of Matan Torah is not the month of Sivan, because the month of Sivan is a flow from above. The purpose of Matan Torah is the month of Tammuz. Because what's the month of Tammuz? Number four. The month of Tammuz is when we take the light and the inspiration and the direction and the Torah that we get and the, and the holiness that we get packed into, downloaded into our souls in the month of Sivan. And what do we do with it? We start doing something with it ourselves. We absorb it. We take it in. That's the Chiddush of Chiddush Tammuz. To take in, to absorb. That's interesting. The idea of three and four we also find in the worlds. And Kabbalistically, you might be familiar that there are four worlds. In Kabbalah, it says there are four worlds corresponding to the four letters of God's name. Yud, K, Vav, K. And therefore, the four worlds that there are is Atzilus, is the world of emanation. Bria is the world of creation. Yetzirah is the world of formation. These are all stages of, of, of carrying down Hashem's light, Hashem's power. The creative energy is coming through stages. The first world, God is adapting Himself to be a creator. It's not really a world yet. Hashem is contracting Himself to a certain, into the, the realm of attributes. Second world is already, a, is already a world. It's already a creation, but a very, very, very sublime creation. And it's not the purpose. God does not desire that world. That world is just meant to uh, be the first recipient and that it should pass on the energy to a, to a more a form, a world that has more form to it, more def def de defined, the world of Yetzirah. And finally, what's the ultimate objective? That the energy and the life force should come down on the world of action, the world of completion. That's the Gashmiistic material world. That's where it's at. So, what's what's the purpose? So the, it's a hint. This is all expressed in a pasuk. It says, uh, Hashem says, um, for my honor, Barasiv, Now, I created it. Yotzartiv, I formed it. Afasisiv, I also made it. I also completed it. So, the, uh, in 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 Hasidus Kabbalah, it says that in this pasuk, it's really hinting to to all four worlds. Kvodi, my honor, is the world of Atsilus, is that world of emanation. Barasiv, I created it, is Bria. Yitzartiv, I formed it, is Yitzira. Afasisiv, I also made it. And here you see an interesting thing. In the flow of the world, what's considered the lowest? The last one, Asiya, the world of Asiya, the world of the material, physical world. And to emphasize how low the world of Asiya is, it has a word, it, the way Hashem, the way the Pasuk says it is, Barasiv, I created it, Yitzartiv, I formed it, Afasisiv, I also made it. So the also interrupts. Also in Hebrew, the word af is a very negative word. Af means wrath, anger. Because in between the world of Yetzirah and the world of Asiyah is where the wrath can get in. All the negative forces, klipa, darkness. That's when God creates all these harsh stuff. All the things that seems to be antithetical against holiness, against Hashem and so forth. All the bad stuff that there is in this world. But even notwithstanding all of that, what's the purpose? The purpose is not Atsilus. The purpose is not the angelic world, the world of souls. The purpose is not the world of Malachim in the world of Yetzirah. They're all passers of the energy. They're all channeling. The point is that everything should come down and manifest. in the physical world. The physical world, that's the number Dalit. That's four. That's the Dalit. So the purpose is always in the Dalit. In the last and final creation. And that's the reason why 
That's the reason why the main purpose of, of the Torah is not, in, is not in Sivan. The purpose of the Torah is in Tammuz. Now actually to, to, to see this in, in, in Sivan and in Tammuz, you see an interesting thing. If we may, we can say like this, that in Sivan is the giving of the Torah. In Tammuz is the receiving of the Torah. That's why we find in actuality that that's what happened. When did Moshe Rabbeinu bring the Torah to the Jewish people? Or attempt, attempt to bring the Torah to the Jewish people? Not in the third month. Moshe went up to heaven in the, in the third month, after on the eighth day of Sivan, after the Torah was given. Moshe went up to heaven. He spent there 40 days studying Torah. And then when does the 40 days end? On the 16th of Tammuz. And then God gives him the luchos. And now Moshe is bringing us the stone luchos. We're supposed to receive it. When? When do, when do we need to receive it? On the fourth month. Because four represents re- the receptacle. The keli. The recipient. Which is the purpose. Now had, had, we, had we not messed up and made the eagle. And made the golden calf then we would have received it on the fourth month. And in a sense, it would have been a great holiday. We would have received the 17th of Tammuz would have been an awesome holiday. Somehow, something happened. Why? What did we say earlier? Barasiv, Yitzartiv. When you come to the world of Asiya, when you come to the world of the recipient, there is always room for that which is unholy. Because again, what did we say earlier? The lower part, the dark part, that's, that's resistant. There is always a chance to mess up. There's less influence of God, so to speak, in that world, in that space. Or rather, let's put it this way, there's less revealed influence of Hashem in that space. And therefore, lots of, other, lots of things can happen. And it happened. A tragedy happened. When? In the fourth month. So that's the primary difference between the third month and the fourth month. The whole purpose of Matan Torah is not the Sivan. The whole purpose of the giving of the Torah is dafka tamas and to see that what? That a world that is godless, the space, the space that is not made holy, should receive the kedusha, should receive the transmission, implement it and transform itself. Absorb it and change with that guidance and instructions that it received from above. That's its purpose. That's why we find an interesting thing. And then, but once it receives the light and it implements it, since it is realizing the purpose for why the whole system was created, it becomes the central, the central um, core source for where everything, everything comes from. In other words, earth becomes holier than heaven. The lowest, the recipient, becomes greater than even the transmitter. Everything turns over once it's been realized. That the lowest world has received the light, has received the, the, this inspiration, and then unlocked its own power, its own godly strength that it has. And then it becomes a source for godliness for everything. So we see that in the month of Tammuz. What do we see? The name Tammuz, interesting, phenomenal. The name Tammuz is a name of an idol. It's a name of Avodah it says in, um, I think in, in Yermio, it says that the people were mevakis esa tamuz. They were crying for tamuz, which is, uh, was the name of an idol. It's interesting that 
we have that name as one of the Jewish months. Tammuz is the name of Avodah. But that shows us exactly what Tammuz is. Tammuz shows us a world, a space that's not influenced by God. And therefore, therefore, you could make the mistake to serve an idol. But yet we see on Tammuz something else. Tammuz has the longest days. And it's the warmest of, month, of months. Summer, Tammuz of. The sunlight represents godly revelation. So here's an interesting thing. Tammuz on the one hand is the darkest of the dark, but it has the potential that if you convert it and you transform it, it becomes the brightest of the bright. So we see that later in the history of Tammuz. We see that later in the history of Tammuz. As, as time passed for the Jewish people, the idea of the month of Tammuz being the space where God pulls back. First three months is filled with godly influence. The month of Tammuz, the Abishter steps back. This is your space. I'm leaving you alone. I'm allowing you to be on your own to absorb that which I am giving you. But this is your own space. Or in the full world, it's the last world where you have to make holy. God doesn't make it holy. You have to make it holy. So as I mentioned earlier, it leaves room for accidents. It leaves room for mistakes. It leaves room for horrible things. So what happens further on in history on the month? Of, which is the day of Tammuz that dominates the entire month? Which day of Tammuz is the day that dominates the month of Tammuz? The 17th of Tammuz. If you think about the one day in Tammuz that's universally known in the Jewish calendar, what's the day? It's the 17th of Tammuz. What is the 17th of Tammuz? It's the beginning. We said Tammuz is a time of darkness. Now the darkness increases a hundred times. Because what happens in Tammuz? The luchas were broken and this gave the, this was what, what, what led the, and then later on the 17th of Tammuz, this is the day that they surrounded, the, they, they breached the walls of Jerusalem, which three weeks later on Tishabal they destroyed the base of Migdash and the world is plunged into the worst darkness. The greatest darkness. And for 2,000 years, there is no light. We're tapping the dark. Dark, dark, dark. When does that happen? In the month of Thomas. But that has a purpose. This is the whole, one of the main chidushim of what Hasidus teaches us. That the darkness has a purpose. What's the purpose? The purpose is, not just because God is angry at us. Why did He give us an exile and a golos and a concealment? So that we can be in a place where we're not influenced by Hashem. That's what exile is. When, you're, when we're not in exile, then God's communication with us is open. So when we do a mitzvah in those circumstances, we're not doing a mitzvah because we are holy, because the world is holy. We're doing a mitzvah because God is stimulating. He's prodding us on in the mitzvah. It's almost like we're partners with Hashem when we're doing something. It's not exclusively ours. And therefore it has never become ours. So what happens during, as a result of exile? It causes Hashem to hide and to conceal Himself as if He's not here. And we are left to the, to the, to the forces of nature. And without any divine, in a sense, divine assistance, even though Hashem never lets go of us, but without any revealed and open revelation and assistance and so forth, we don't have a base Amigdash anymore, can't see Him, we can't feel Him like we felt Him before. Our hearts are, are numb and our minds are, 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 are dark. And yet within this darkness, what happens? What was the whole purpose? That within the darkness of exile, 
we find Hashem. We learn Torah, we do mitzvahs, we connect to Him. And even if sometimes we get distanced, like it happened in, 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 as a result of exile, a lot of Jews fell far in their Yiddishkeit, they do tshuva as well. That means even, even in a situation where the person has cut themselves off from their Father in Heaven, from the, they, they've sliced the, the channels that connect the veins of their neshama that have been severed from God, in which God influenced. A Jew is always, a, we have a, our soul is like a rope, like, like a bunch of wires that are wired to God. So we, in a sense, even in exile, we feel Hashem. But if chas v'shalom we sin, and we cut these ropes, and we become removed and removed and removed, what happens? We have no more divine sensitivity coming from Hashem. And yet, from amongst that darkness, in the, during the exile, a Jew does tshuva. Why? That's not coming from, the, that's coming from deep inside himself. And what is he doing when, he, when he's doing tshuva? What is he doing when he's learning Torah and doing mitzvahs? Even after he sinned, he or she sinned, even, is that even in this godless space, even in this most darkest environment, where I don't sense and I don't feel, yet even there I make it holy and I make it godly. I connect to Hashem. Ah, that's the ultimate sign that the recipient, the recipient, which is not Hashem, it's us. We have gotten it. We've, we've connected. We've absorbed the Torah. It's become part of us. What's the proof? Step, you step away and you'll see that we can live a godly life even in a non-godly environment. So we see how the Golos of the month of Tammuz follows the theme of what Tammuz is all about. Tammuz is where, the, where Hashem lets us in, be on our own. I mentioned last week, you know, let a child go on their own. They're going to fall. But eventually they're going to learn how to walk. If the father is always going to walk with the child, the child will never learn how to walk. So Hashem lets go of us. We fall, and sometimes we fall into horrible terrain, but we really learn how to walk. We learn how to walk in the most treacherous places, the most difficult of places. So eventually what happens, the golos, which is a fall, which is a, a golos for sure. And it's the, what do you think? The level of the Jewish people when they went to golos, could they compare to their to their kavana, to their intentions, to their level of, 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 of davening and connection to Hashem they had when the Beis Hamidrash was standing. No! A million times lower. But it has, it's, but here's the thing, serving Hashem when Hashem is cuddling you and holding you and fully, all around you, you're experiencing, uh, you know, uh, 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 a, 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 what is it called? Surround, surround, like, uh, a surround, surround sound I was looking for, but it's not that. It's uh, completely surrounded by godly revelation. No. Even though your level of service of a very high quality, you did not bring holiness into a non-godly place. So the golos is really, what comes out according to that? Golos is an opportunity. Opportunity for us to enter into a godless zone. And we're talking about golos as a whole. And Golas to every person individually. In a sense, we can say that every darkness, and including the human mistakes that you have made and I have made, and I've made many and you have made, I don't know, I'm sure everybody makes mistakes. And we fall and we get into dark places. We need to always know that there is a, there, ultimately, ultimately, there's a divine plan over here. Because the place that we went and we fall and we reached the point where we're so disconnected, ah, so if you will do something godly in this most disconnected place, guess what? 
This is actually the purpose of all of creation, all of existence, that the lowest of places should become, can, should be revealed that it too is connected, is, 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 is holy and godly. And that's why what happens in Tammuz, what's, what's ultimately going to happen with the Shivasa Tammuz, with the 17th day of Tammuz? What's going to happen to it? It's going to become a holiday. And how big of a holiday is it going to be? It's going to be a bigger holiday than the holiday of Shavuos. Why? Because the holiday of the 17th of Tammuz is our holiday. The holiday of Shavuos is Hashem's holiday. That's His light. We're recipients of Him. In a sense, the Rebbe says an interesting idea, he adds. He says, you know what? You know why the luchos were, were broken on the 17th of Tammuz? Because when the light is coming from above, because what kind of Torah did we get on Shavuos? Not a Torah that we implemented, that we worked, that we thoroughly absorbed. We're receiving a Torah that he's giving us. That means even this that we're receiving it, it's because he's giving it. And therefore it doesn't last. Because anything that you're, that you're holding on to because of an external force, it's not you, it's not going to last. So the reason the Torah was broken on the 17th of Thomas was because it's a Sivan Torah. It's because the Torah came, it was given to us on, on Sivan. The Torah that lasted is not the Torah we got on Thomas. The Torah we lasted is the Torah we get on Yom Kippur. Yom Kippur we get the second Luchas. Why? Because of the work that we started doing in Tammuz. After we sinned with the golden calf and Moshe broke the luchos, the download was interrupted. We disconnected. The flow from above ended. What were we like? We're sitting on the floor crying. We found ourselves in the dumpster. Now we needed to find from within ourselves our way back to God. And we know what we did. We did 80 days of tshuva. Two times 40. 80 days of tshuva. That tshuva is the work coming from within the darkness, from within yourself. That let, leads us to a Torah that's unbreakable. To a Torah that will last forever. Only the Torah that comes from our work. Not a Torah that's given to us from above. So what's the purpose of the darkness of Tammuz? When, when we uncover the purpose of the darkness... And the whole purpose of the darkness is to give us a chance to do it on our own. The darkness means that Hashem hides Himself from us. Oh, so now you can do it on your own. Where was this revealed? Where was it revealed, the Rebbe says, this idea in Tammuz that the darkest elements of the exile are only here for it to be converted? Well, in the long run, it's going to be revealed after Mashiach comes when the 17th of Thomas is going to be a big yomtiv. When all the fast days are going to become holidays. But it also finds itself a, a ready expression in the end of exile. In the end of Golos, we're already seeing the results. We're already beginning to see the purpose of the darkness. You don't see it during the darkness, but by the end of the tunnel, you start seeing the purpose of the whole darkness. Because you start seeing the light. So the Rebbe says that even though Thomas is such a dark month, the month of Thomas has already been converted into a happy month. Where do we see that? There is a holiday next week called Yud Bey's Thomas. The 12th of Thomas, Yud Gimel Thomas. True, it's a holiday only commemorated amongst Chabad Hasidim. 
But it is becoming something that is becoming more known in the world. But it's what happened Yud Beis and Yud Gimel Tammuz. The previous Lubavitcher Rebbe was freed from jail. So the Rebbe says, let's analyze that story for a moment. We said, we mentioned earlier that the purpose of Gullus is that God wants to allow for a for a non-godly state to be to be present and from within the darkness we should connect to him because then it's ours so what's the epitome of gullus the epitome of gullus is when the forces that are anti-god become so powerful and so strong and so brazen that they're going in direct war against the Abishter himself, against God himself. So where did that happen? In communist Russia. The communists were a people, was that, was a, was a, we're talking about a government, the communists was a government that wanted to obliterate God completely. Wanted to create an atheistic environment. And therefore they went to war against Torah and mitzvahs, not allowing observance of Torah and mitzvahs. In a sense we can say this is the Golos reaching its climax. A powerful government in the, on this planet that is literally at war with God. Now to implement their, their desire of obliterating God from the face of the earth. What do they do? They take the leader of the, one of the great leaders of the Jewish people. But they take him, when I say, and in a sense I'm going to say the leader of the Jewish people, mitzad the fact of the one who's teaching Pnimiyas Torah, the one who's teaching the inner secrets of the Torah, that's the previous Lubavitcher Rebbe. He's teaching Hasidus. So we're talking about reaching and touching the apple of the eye. And take him and arrest him for his work in Torah and mitzvahs throw him into a horrible, horrible prison, torture him, beat him, and eventually their desire is to kill him. They already handed down a verdict to kill him. Then they changed it. But first they wanted to literally murder him. And by murdering, God forbid, the previous Rebbe, according to their desire, they would literally extinguish Judaism in Russia. That's what would have happened. Because that would have broken the Hasidim completely and the Hasidim would have been, I mean, we don't know what could have happened. It could have been, in a sense, van, you know, destroyed. That was their plan. I'll be pashtas, that, that's what would have happened. Meaning simply that's what would have happened. So what, what is this? This is Golos reaching its darkest point. If you're talking about the climax of Golos, and then afterwards happened the Holocaust. So we're talking about like the darkest moments of history. The darkest of the darkest moments of history. And what happens? We're waiting for, we're waiting for a good year. So what happened? From within and in the middle of the darkness, of this extreme, extreme darkness, comes the, free, the, 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 the previous, the previous Lubavitcher Rebbe. In the end, they have no power over him. A tremendous miracle happens. 
He's released from jail. In other words, so you understand why the arrest that takes place and at least materializes in the month of Tammuz, even though it didn't happen in Tammuz, we're going to see in a minute. The beginning of the arrest happened in the month of Sivan. But in Tammuz, like they have, him, they have the, pre, the, the Rebbe arrested. They want to destroy him, and through him, through destroying him, they want to destroy Yiddishkeit and all of Russia. He comes out, miraculously he's freed. Triumphantly comes out, and an amazing thing happens. First of all, his redemption gave a tremendous lift to the Jews that were still in Russia those days. It gave them a tremendous empowerment to fight. More than, in a sense, than had he never been arrested. They were arrested, they were chassidim, they were inspired, they were driven, they were very, very, they were part of the program. But now that they didn't just, now that the rebel won, that they couldn't beat him, that holiness and godliness defeated that which is all the clipper, all the darkness, all these powerful forces. A singular man against an entire government. He, destroy, he broke them. What tremendous empowerment it gave to the entire operation. It was all an underground operation. But an enthused chassidim with such energy, with such power. And in addition to that, what did it do to all the Jews across the world? It gave them a tremendous boost. Especially his followers. Because of what happened on, 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 on Yudbeis Tammuz, the previous Rebbe was released, eventually it led to him to leave Russia, come to America, and eventually it led to the explosion of spreading of Yiddishkeit that we see that Chabad institutions made across the world. And what was it all meaning to say? We can't compare the activism. Think about it. We cannot compare the activism of Chabad prior to the, to the previous Rebbe coming out of Russia to after. Chabad was always very active and they, always, and they, and they spread and they inspired Yidin and there was a lot of Hasidus. But it wasn't global. It only became global when the previous Rebbe left Russia. First he was in Poland, eventually came to America, laid the seeds of Chabad Hasidism in America, and then his successor took over, the Rebbe took over, and literally Ufaratsta, Yom of Akedma, exploding a holiness across the entire world. That happened after. So what do we see from here? The, the very theme of Tammuz, that there is a darkness that is meant to be broken and transformed. So really... The Rebbe says an interesting thing. He says, you should know the real panemius of that re- redemption of the 12th day of Tammuz is actually, it already broke the exile. It broke the Gauls. Yes, it didn't manifest, Moshiach isn't here yet. It's already 80, uh, how many, I know, it's more. It's a, now it's already from, from, from the then, it's already uh, whatever, uh, 90 something years. From that, from that redemption. So we, didn't ha- we don't have yet the full Moshiach and Giyula, but the Tkifus, the power of the Golos, of the exile, to interfere with the Jewish people, to destroy, to stand, to block observance, and so on and so forth, has been broken. The truth is, after that, there was still oppression in Russia for many years, but you don't see anymore in the world anymore any kind of oppression against the Yiddishkeit. And relatively, besides the Holocaust, but what happened after that is the Jews came to America, since then, and, and there is freedom for the Jewish people across the world to practice their religion, to be hidden, and this tremendous prosperity. We see the powerful, powerful grip of exile was broken. Because Why? Because the whole union of exile is that we should flip it over. 
The whole union of Golos is that from the darkness itself, within the darkness, when there is no shred of light coming from anywhere, the truth of the Abishter is revealed, not from an inspiration coming from above, but from within, from below. It's precisely because of that, the Rebbe says, I mentioned right in the beginning, the reason why the previous Lubavitcher Rebbe left Russia, left Poland, and moved to America. Because just like, here's a Gewaldic Anion, just like we can't realize the purpose of Torah in the month of Sivan, just like we can't realize the purpose of, because Sivan was still under Hashem's influence. And Sivan was still standing at Har Sinai. We're still under the influence of godly revelation. So we can't really realize and, 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 and fulfill the purpose of creation because it's not us taking the Torah. It's coming from above. We need it to therefore um, go away from Sivan and enter into the world of Tammuz in order to go away from Har Sinai. The same is also true in, in, in physical location as well. Time and space are interwoven one with each other. So just like in time, we have to leave the, the, the time period that's filled with divine revelation in order that we can do something on our own. It has to be ours, and that's the month of Thomas. We have to go from the world of three. We have to go into the space of the four, including all the dangers that there is in the space of number four. But still, that's the objective. So the same is also in space. We need to leave the place from where the divine influence is the most, go farther, 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 till we reach rock bottom, till we reach a space that's utterly godless, and show God that over there we can find them as well. And show the world that Hashem is true even over there. So you take a look at the history of the Jewish people, you find that. First, we were all concentrated in the holiest of lands. All the Jewish people lived in the holiest of lands. And from Eretz Yisrael, we influenced the world. We know Shlomo Melech had huge influence on the world. From where? From, the, from Eretz Yisrael. What does that mean? That means that holiness is coming from God. It's not, the world is just receiving. It's coming from Hashem. It's not coming from us. Then what happened? We said before, exile came and scattered us. But even when we were scattered, where did we scatter to? To the places in the world that are still influenced by the giving of the Torah, like I explained earlier. We were scattered to places where Matan Torah already refined the atmosphere. Where there was still the echo of God, I am God, your God, can still be felt in all those countries. These countries are still experiencing the vibrations of Har Sinai. So therefore, and those were the places where Torah and Yiddishkeit and where Hasidus came, the Arizal and Eretz Yisrael, and then the Holy Baal Shem Tov, and then his students across Europe, which is in the upper part of the world. In order for the ultimate purpose of creation to be realized, we, this is what we have to realize how special we are. The whole purpose of the giving of the Torah that was given 3,000 years ago, four, three and a half thousand years ago, is for the last two generations. Literally. That's it. The whole purpose of it is everything till now is a lead up. Is that we should all migrate, all leave the upper hemisphere, not everybody, but great chunks of the Jewish people, and move to the lower part of the world where there is no influence from above. No influence from above. And from there, the previous rabbi leaves. And as it happens, it's a horrible darkness. It's, it's in a sense going into exile again. 
The free the previous Rebbe said that coming to America is from, he went to exile many times, he says, there were 10 exiles for Chabad. For, and this was his last exile, this is worse than all of them. Because as we said earlier, the apathy, the indifference, the coldness, the materialistic mindset of America, that everything is the dollar, everything is the money, for that you'll sell your mother. Just the making money and being rich and so on and so forth, this, the entire American dream. Forget about God, forget about anything deeper, holier. That's the atmosphere in America. Comes here to America and the Friedrich Rebbe announced that America isn't different and he started Yiddishkeit here. But not Stam that he started Yiddishkeit, the Rebbe says. What happened is he, be, he established a place that became, not only did it, did it reach even America, but America became the source from where Yiddishkeit starts to be spread in the entire world. Even to countries that are in the upper sphere. Even to Eretz Yisrael. What does that mean? That Hasidus is being revealed where? In America, not in Eretz Yisrael. And from America, the teachings of Hasidus, Pinimiya Satora, are coming to Eretz Yisrael. It's in, in the history of the world, when did you have Jews leaving you know, every year Tishrei, for, for, since 19... Uh, Tishrei, thousands of Jews left Eretz Yisrael and, and, and flew to America, to New York. It's insane. You're in Eretz Yisrael, you're in a holy land, you're going to New York. Say, yeah, the Rebbe's in New York. That doesn't make any sense. Eretz Yisrael. No, no, no. The source of holiness is not in Eretz Yisrael now, it's, it's in Golis. It, it's in America. It's the lowest place in the world and that becomes the spring of Mayim Chaim, of, of, of fresh waters for the entire planet, for the entire world. This is not a little idea. This is huge. Not just huge. This is cosmic. Daske in this lies the entire purpose of all of creation. That what? That a low place that is not influenced on God should become godly. And not only that, the essence of the Abish to desire the Leas Dira, he should have a home, Bitachtonim in the lower world. And not only that, that the lower worlds become the source of inspiration for the higher world. So the lowest point of creation, Brooklyn, New York, America, becomes the source for light everywhere else. And the Rebbe says, it's interesting. Again, I'm not saying this, as I said before, I'm going to share with you what the Lubavitcher Rebbe says about the Lubavitcher Rebbe. So what does he say? He says the headquarters for all of this, where did the previous Rebbe move to? A building called 770. He says, everything is Bashgacha Pratis. What's the meaning of it? He says, the word 770 is Gematria, the word Ufaratsta, without the Vav. Paratsta. Paratsta means exploding. Paratsta, it says that Yaakov Avinu, Paratsta, your light will break all boundaries. Yama, Vakedma, Tzafayna, Vanegma, East, West. That means from 770 comes, came out Shluchim. Think about it. There has never been an enterprise like the Chabad enterprise. It's a global network chasing Jews across the entire world, finding the sparks of Yidden across the entire world and bringing them back to the Abishter and to Torah Mitzvahs. In other words, the whole system bottoms up. Instead of the light coming from up down, light is coming from earth upward, from earth to heaven. Imagine a human being whose central command is in his feet, not in his head. It's an upside. That's the Rebbe. Your toes are the intelligence. Coming from below is coming the light. This is the purpose of why God created the world. At the lowest point should be the source of inspiration to the highest point. Where was it revealed? Where did it come? That's, that's what's going to be after Mashiach comes. But we get a taste of it before Mashiach comes. Because we're already nearing the end. 
That's why when Mashiach comes, all the neshamas, we spoke earlier, are going to come down from Ganeid and go back into bodies. Because the party is going to be in the bodies. The physical, the physical body is going to know more about God than the spiritual soul. Because in earth is the ultimate light. So that's why America is called earth compared to Eretz Yisrael or even the higher hemisphere that's called neshama, it's called soul compared to the United States. It's all in the lowest of the low. This is the idea of Tammuz. That from the darkness we, 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 will, we will go infinitely higher. So this is taking it back and if you think about it, in the Rebbe, in the, we're talking about we talk about the Lubavitcher Rebbe, in the Gimel Tamas. So first of all, the previous Rebbe, Mamash just laid the seeds. The real work came from the Rebbe. Because the Friedegger Rebbe made that even in America, we should still be Jews. We should still, we should still hold on to Yiddishkeit. He found, the Rebbe took it to a whole new level. The Rebbe went and he found all the Jews that have been completely disconnected, and he, and he, brought, and he connected them to Yiddishkeit, and he made them leaders. Rebbe is the founder of this whole tshuva movement. Rabbi, Rabbi Astulin is here now. He told me a story that uh, he once had a, he has a friend that w- wanted to do a shidduch. Uh, he, was, he had a hard time finding a wife. So he came into the Rebbe for a, for a bracha or whatever to consult with him. He was an old, he was, he was from the old, old timers from Russia and he, was, uh, he needed a shidduch. And... Um, he said to the Rebbe, I said, why, what's going on? Why can't you, what's going on? Said, it's taking you too long. <laughs> he said, because, you know, he says, I, I want a, a Lubavitcher girl that comes from, and that I can't find, he says. I'm just, no one, I don't know, maybe no one wants me, I don't know. That's what he said. But, um, and about Shuva, he said, I'm not interested in. That's what he said. So the Rebbe said to him like this, he said, you know, when my shver passed away, my father-in-law, he left me with lots of chassidim. I yarshined his chassidim. I got beyerusha his chassidim. But those are not my chassidim. Those are his chassidim that I got beyerusha. Miner, you want to know who my chassidim are? These are all the bullets. These are the Americans. These are all the hippies that I took. These are mine. These are my chevra. That's the whole Rebbe. The whole Lubavitcher Rebbe is the earth, the lowest. And not Stam. The Rebbe doesn't Stam make a baltshuva. The Rebbe went and made a baltshuva a rabbi. No one did that. You're a Balchuva, sit in the back there and listen. He's a, he's a Rosh Hashiva coming from Europe. He's a Zayda was so and so. He's an Enakul from so and so. He'll teach you. The Rebbe went and made Oilam Hafach. He took Balichuva. He made them the inspiration. The main drivers in the Chabad movement are actually the Balichuvas. The, the, the Balchuva, I don't know how many of the, of the people who were disconnected, some of them for generations, real American, what we could say, Yungachis, boys from America, boys from, from below, from this. From this from this complete, alienated, disconnected world, they become the leaders of world Jewry. Inspiring, entiring com- com- communities. It's all bottom-up. So now, just to complete, this is all related to, to Korach. Because one of the things Korach said, and we're going to conclude with this, and I want to answer the questions I asked. Uh, Korach asked the question, Korach complained against motion. Why did he complain to Moshe? Because he said everybody's holy. All the Jewish people are holy. Why do you make yourself greater than everybody else? Why do you make yourself greater? So it's explained in the deeper meaning of what Korach wanted was. Amongst the Jewish people are the more spiritual people, the lofty people. That's Moshe, Aaron, the Kohanim, the priests. These are all 
this people, and they're meant to be in spot. They're meant to be the ones who channel divine consciousness to the masses. Then there is the masses. Who are the masses? The average guys who don't, who don't have the spiritual, uh, uh, the, the high spiritual sensitivity. These are the, the shoemakers, the, the, the tailors, the regular guys, the people that are here doing mitzvahs, the physical. Korach was a very deep Hasidic scholar. He knew that what? That the ultimate purpose of God is to have a dwelling place in the low. What does Hashem want more than anything else? Not high spirituality. The Abishnah wants a physical deed, a physical action, a physical mitzvah. So Korach said, if the whole world is holy, if the physical is the holiest, why do we need the rabbis? Why do we need the, 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 the high, the, 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 the koyen, who's meant to light and ignite the neshamas and, and, and show people how to pray? Why do we need that? The main thing is not spiritual uh, ecstasy. The main thing is practical observance of mitzvahs. That's how you make a home for Hashem in the lower world. And the answer, and so therefore you don't need tzaddikim, you don't need the leadership. Let's do away with the whole leadership. Everybody's good on their own. They're fulfilling God's purpose. The mistake they made. Now what was Korach's mistake? Korach's mistake was that that's the way it's going to, that's going to be only after Mashiach comes. After Mashiach comes, once we're finished purifying the world, then the physical world is higher than the spiritual realms. That's only after Mashiach comes. Until Mashiach comes. The way the physical world becomes holy is if it's influenced by the realm of the spirit. For example, the body becomes holy when you, inju- when you imbue soul consciousness into the body. A time will come when the body will be holier than the soul. And the body will teach the soul. But that's only after thousands of years where the body was a student. So Korach was right, but he was a man before his time. He was 3,000 years too early for this idea. He had some kind of a sense of the ultimate truth, but he was way too early for it. Because the world still needs to receive from above in order for it to purify itself. Once it's purified, you're right. You don't need any more the hashpa coming from above. The low is as holy as the high and even holier. That was Korach's, Korach's, Korach's mistake. But first there needs to be influence from above. And take a look, as we said before, the history of the Jewish people is such that for thousands of years the flow is coming from above. It's only as we get to the last generation of Geula that we can have such a wild phenomenon called a place, as I mentioned earlier, 770. From Brooklyn, New York, comes inspiration to the entire world. From the lowest point comes inspiration to the higher realms. That earth becomes an inspiration for heaven. That's at the very, very end. Until then, the heaven has to inspire earth. And that's why the Rebbe says an interesting thing. When the Parsha says, Parsha zu yafa nidreshes, bemedrish rabbi tanchuma. I began with that. What is the meaning of that? This Parsha is well darshan in the midrash of rabbi tanchuma. What Rashi is saying like this, I mean, obviously it's a more panemistic appearance, not the simple meaning of Rashi. Rashi is saying, that if you want to know the positive, the positivity of Korach, Yafan addresses, if you want to know the spiritual, the goodness of Korach's argument, in the realm of Pshat, in the simple Pshat, Korach is a wicked guy, he's a bad guy, he's fighting against Moshe, there's no good to his actions. But Bemedrish Rabbi Tanchuma, in the world of Rabbi Tanchuma, Tanchuma represents Moshiach. Because Tanchuma means when we're going to get the Nachama, Tanchuma comes from the word Nachama, Nachama means the comfort. In the final world of comfort, after Mashiach comes, then Parshazu Yofan Adreshes, 
Korach has a very good point. It's very, very right what Korach is doing. In the world of Pshat, Rashi says, there's, there's a problem with Korach. In the ultimate world. But the Rebbe, and this is very important, I know I'm going a little bit over, but please listen to this idea. The Rebbe says, even when you come to America, and the whole point of America is that earth should shine higher than heaven, that holiness should come from earth, you still need to have an influencer from above, even in America. In other words, even though the whole point of America is that when you bring Torah to America, is that light is coming from, 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 from down up, not up down. It's not transmission from above. It's Vaheshav Leiv Bonim Alavoisam that the children are influencing their father. It's an Orchoiser, it's a retracting light. The light is coming from earth up to heaven. Yet, even to empower this, you need to have a power from above. That's the idea that the Rebbe, the previous Rebbe, came to America. A Rebbe is, is a channel to above. And when the Rebbe takes over, he is also a channel from He's a godly man. He's empowering the Hasidim to do their work. Eventually, what's the work? That we should start shining from below. And the Rebbe says that is hinted to in the second story I told you earlier. And when Moshe Rabbeinu took their staffs, what did he do? He took all the staffs. He put Aaron's staff amongst their staff. What was the idea? Moshe Rabbeinu wanted to show them that until we're finished, until you get to the final stage, you need Aaron's staff. Aaron is the tzaddik. He's the Kohen Gadol. He's the Rebbe. His staff should be amongst your staffs. Which means even this work, that you should be able to do your work bottoms up, requires the influence at the beginning from the tzaddik. And that's why what happened right after they took out all the staffs from the, from the uh, base, from the Kodesh HaKadosh, and what happened? After they took out all the staffs, Vayikhu ish each person took their own staff. I asked you in the beginning, who cares what they did with their staffs? These staffs had nothing, these sticks had nothing to them. The point is, no, Mosh Aranakohin's staff imbued in them the power of Avoda, and then each one took that staff to do his own work from within himself. Therefore, the, I would say something like this. The ultimate power, we talk about the power, the power of what the Rebbe is saying about the previous Rebbe, and then obviously about himself, is his main Indian is that each and every one of us should be able to become a source of light for the entire world. We receive that power from the tzaddik, but then we have that power on our own. And therefore it's possible to say, and it's painful, but it's still possible to say, it's precisely because of that that the ultimate um, inyan of the Lubavitcher Rebbe, until the moment Mashiach arrives, comes about after in the last 25 years, when the Rebbe is physically not seen in this world. Why? Because as we said before, there is the avoda of the Nasi. The Rebbe came to America and taught us all how to turn over the world. Made that from the bottom should come light. But as long as the Rebbe is standing in front of us, it's still what? It's not really Tamuz. It's still what? It's still Sivan. It's still Sivan. When do you have the ultimate Indian of Tamuz, which is the ultimate Indian of Mashiach, the ultimate Indian of Giyula, that earth should shine? When all influence from heaven steps out. And that happened in Gimel Tamas when to our eyes the Rebbe is concealed. He, he brought us to the end. He brought us Mamish to the end. He brought us to Mashiach. He completed all the work. But there is this short period of time where the Rebbe wants, not that the Eberster wants, that it should be our work. It has to be our work. Us to finish the job. 
us to finish the job, and then the leader is again revealed again for the entire world to see. But there needs to be a moment when we stand alone. We still remember and know who the leader is. The one who completed the work, that's the leader. And that's the ultimate leader. But there is a moment of concealment. And that itself is the whole union of him. Is that we should be able to be lights, powerful lights, notwithstanding the fact that we are coarser people and we are, low, we are the legs, but the legs are the leader of the whole world. From the legs come the whole light. And this is, seems to be the secret of Gimel Tamas. Gimel, that means he's still there because the Gimel is there. The power is there. It's the power that's coming from a concealed place. Tamos, that we should be able to do the avoda of Tamos. The avoda of Tamos is the avoda of the recipient. To light up the world from the bottom up. And Be'ezus Hashem, from within this darkness, from, we will already see the biggest light, the light of the Ge'ula Shalem, and may we see it now, now.